The Women in Media podcast is proudly sponsored by Organic Traditions for spring 2024. Stay tuned for a special deal during this episode. I'm Sarah Burke, and this is the Women in Media podcast. Now, traditionally, you've been hearing me speak to people in music and entertainment, in broadcasting, in sports and news, but I'm branching out a little bit here, and I've been thinking about the type of media that I consume. I don't even know how I stumbled upon her account, but Anna Lee is my guest today, a.k.a. The Cannabinista. She's a cannabis content creator, cannabis advocate, and cannabis recipe developer. And you're going to want to check the show notes because she's got all sorts of links for you. Anna, thank you for coming on the Women in Media podcast. How are you? Thank you, Sarah. I'm good. So we're at the end of a long week, and I know that you just held a massive event in Toronto because you try to bring that education into community. So tell me about the event that you did a week ago, just to start, because I was kind of following along from the sidelines. Yeah, it's actually crazy that it was only a week ago because I'm still recovering from from that craziness. Um, And I didn't expect so much work to be in in events, but here we are now and I'm feeling the afterglow still from the event. Um, Yeah, what I put together was an event focused around mindful consumption. Um, This is a topic that I think needs to be talked about more in the cannabis industry, you know, or just in general is about being mindful with how we consume cannabis. And I think it helps to also eliminate some of the stigmas that traditional media has of cannabis consumers, us being lazy, us being stoners, us being unproductive or whatever it is. And Preach. a lot of people don't know that cannabis can be used as a really mindful tool to actually uh, potentially enhance your life, right? When used safely, when used responsibly. So this event that I curated was for my community. It was the first time ever that I, I met them in real life. After many years of just being online, um, a lot of people were like, kind of shocked and they were like, whoa, this is you in real life because they only see me doing TikToks and Instagrams, right? On the on a 16 by nine screen. So what we did was had a beautiful afternoon in a beautiful loft space in Toronto where we learned about how do you set intention prior to consuming cannabis? How do you explore different methods of consumption other than smoking cannabis? So I demonstrated how to make cannabis infused mocktails. Um, and then nice. we learned about cannabis in general and connected with other like-minded individuals um what was crazy was a lot of people actually came alone which was really interesting wow yeah and um when i was reading the intention cards and talking to people the reason why a lot of them came alone was because they felt lonely and they didn't have people in their life to connect to that also either consumed cannabis or at least accepted them for consumption and a lot of them felt that i created a really welcoming space where you know everyone had a common passion we loved cannabis we loved food and we were brought together for that. So interesting you say that because when you think about even like alcohol culture, right? You're usually drinking with people. Most people, I would say. And sometimes, especially at this age, I don't know how old you are. I'm 36 years old and I might be the lonely cannabis user in the group. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I'm the same as well. Like I don't drink anymore. I, I've been alcohol free for three to four years now. And like I do have that sense of loneliness amongst my friend group. And I've been trying to find ways to incorporate myself still in social settings with them. Right. So I have like cans of, you know, cannabis infused sparkling beverage, right? Where it's very discreet and I can pour it in my cup and no one knows, right? And there's not that awkward discussion of like, oh, what are you drinking? Or what are you not drinking, right? So it's crazy how our world is evolving as new technology comes out, I guess you could say. Yeah, I bet you half the products that you had at your event a week ago did not exist five years ago. No, definitely not. I mean, perhaps in the in the legacy market, but we're seeing that with legalization in Canada, you know, it's being brought to the forefront. But a lot of people still don't know that this type of technology exists where you can literally add drops of cannabis into a water based drink and then just 
drink Sip it away. <laughs> so <laughs> let, let's go back to your first exposure to cannabis. I'm so interested. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone, you know, and by no ways is this like suggesting that people should do this, right? When I look back at my experience with cannabis, it was irresponsible and I was uneducated. But I think everyone goes through that where they try a puff in high school or university or, or college or whatever, and they either like it, they get really stoned, they get really hungry. And that's kind of that, right? Like people just see it in traditional media. Like they think of like Harold and Kumar and that's kind of what we grew up with was like Seth Rogen portraying <laughs> Pineapple Express. Um, and I'm not going to lie. I used to be against cannabis growing up. And I used to have a perception that people who consumed cannabis were the negative connotation of stoner. So I've made a whole 180 um, in terms of like my perspective. And it was because I was uneducated and I judged it without actually experiencing it firsthand and commenting about cannabis in an intelligent way. And I think a lot of people who do have negative perceptions of cannabis, um, they've often never consumed. Same thing with other more, you know, on the fringe, like psychedelics or mushrooms and, you know, the whole world now, right? People kind of comment on things that they don't actually have experience with. But True. anyways, back to the story, um, you know, I've consumed it throughout my early, late, mid 20s, but it really wasn't until um, like legalization and a little bit before that, where I actually tried to understand the science of it. And I started trial and erroring more and using it in a different way that was actually um, enhancing my life and not using it as a Escape. Just recreate. Like, there's nothing wrong with recreational use, but I was using it in a different approach. I like that. Okay. What about your experience using it in public? Tell me about early experiences using it in public and maybe what led you to your work. You know, using cannabis in public has never really been a thing for me. Like when I think about my early days of using it, it was always with one other person or with a close group or it was a way to like relax after being stressed from a day of chaos, right? Um, now when I do use it in public, it's, you know, um, it's in lieu of alcohol maybe, or maybe it's to, you know, maybe I'm having a cannabis infused coffee on a weekend morning and then I'm going to the farmer's market and, you know, um, uplifting myself and my mood. So when I consume in public, let's say I, I try to keep a low dose because I'm not trying to give myself anxiety <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do find that it helps me connect better with people on, um, on, an, on a level of understanding of empathy that I don't usually have when I'm, let's say, my normal self, right? I, I feel like it really helps me like empathize more with people. And that's kind of a tool that I sometimes use when I, you know, if I'm going to go out or whatever, I, I love using the plant for that. Now, I definitely want to talk about the alcohol-free phase that you've been going through. Um, but was there a particular experience where you noticed that empathy and you were like, huh, there's something more here? Yeah. I'm a very type A, go, go, go person, you know, get out of my way. I'm trying to get shit done. Yeah, right? yeah. That's just been who I am. And it's a lot of like my cultural upbringing as immigrants. You know, you have to hustle. You have to make it in this world. Toronto is an expensive city. How are you going to make money? Grind, blah, blah, blah. Right. I, I'm fully in support of that. But for the past few years and maybe post pandemic, I'm just realizing that there's more to life beyond money and success and whatever it is. And kind of that's what drew me to Cannabinista was building a passion for educating and then going beyond um, stigmas. I think like maybe one time I was having a sesh with a friend and like they were confiding in, in me about something that they were feeling and it was something that they had never normally confided in me. And for some reason I felt more like I almost felt it in my heart Yeah, where I felt their pain. And I know this might sound crazy to people who are already very empathetic to begin with, but certain people actually just have trouble empathizing with other people, right? Or putting themselves in their shoes and 
when let's say because I was elevated, I felt that sense of connection and like personal touch. Um, and their story really resonated with me. And I was like, oh, wow, like this is something that I've never felt before. Like, how can I be deeper and like be more vulnerable? That's what it is. Being vulnerable in that state and connecting with others on a deeper level. That's that was the moment for me. I think I've I know exactly what you mean when when you feel someone else's emotions. I really felt it with music when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's feeling the lyrics more. Maybe it's feeling like the rhythm, yeah. tempo, all of that. Yeah, it's like a vibration or something, but I'm the same. Like, I, I hate, cannot dance for the life of me. Yeah. But when I have a little bit of cannabis, I don't feel as nervous. And like, for yeah. some reason, my voice and body kind of moves a bit better. <laughs> I am not a club girl, although I did competitive dance growing up. This is so funny. You try and get me like in some sort of rhythm at a club. And I'm like, does anyone want to go outside for a toke? Because that's just yeah. so not me these days anymore. But um, yeah. yeah, it helped a lot in the early clubbing days, you know, in my 20s, for sure. I will say. Okay. So now like take me to the alcohol-free decision because I feel like it mm -hmm. plays a part in this next part of the story. Yeah. Um, oh, alcohol. Yeah. I was a party girl. Okay. Like period. I went to Western. I went to Western. Oh yeah. <laughs> when did you graduate? Oh God. 2015. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 2010. Yeah, but yeah. You know, I feel like, you know, people when they have very strict parents or whatever, they want to rebel more. They want to try new things, whatever. Right. I had a party phase, ended up moving to Toronto afterwards, um, you know, starting my career and all that. And, you know, I was going out and things like that. And like, I just wasn't happy with who I was when I drank, how I felt the next day after I drank and how it impacted my life the day after. So there was no real benefit for me at that time. This is not to say that alcohol cannot benefit certain people's right. Maybe one or two drinks, people can make friends, be social. It's like a social lubricant. That's great. But for me, it just was not doing me any justice in my life. And I knew this for many years, but it really wasn't until I want to say like pre-COVID, almost kind of like leading up to that time. Um, and also I was maturing, you know, I was getting older as a woman and finding myself and being more comfortable where I was really like, I don't, I don't need this. This doesn't help me. And it wasn't like I'm switching cannabis for alcohol. It was by no means like that. It was just like, I don't see a purpose of alcohol in my life. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'll try to have a glass of wine with friends, but even now I just don't like the taste for some reason. I just prefer like sparkling water, just regular water, but that's kind of what happened. It was kind of like an overnight, overnight decision, but a long time coming. Totally makes sense. The other night I had a girlfriend here who normally we would have had a glass of wine at dinner. And I was like, well, I have a cannabis infused beverage or I have kombucha that we can put in our fancy glasses. And we, we were both yeah. like, we don't need to drink tonight, right? Like I'm going through that too. I think wine is like, it's a nice thing with dinner. It can complement the food, but all of what yes. you're saying revolves around intentionality, I think. Yes. Right? Yes. And that probably yeah. brought you to the mindfulness piece, which yes. is so, so much a part of cannabis. Do you mind me asking when you moved to Toronto, what was your career looking like? What were you doing for work? Yeah. Um, my background is like tech finance strategy consulting, like very typical <laughs> Asian person in Toronto. Um, Where's your family from too, by the way? Um, I grew up in Markham. Um, so my, my parents are from China. So they're immigrants and we're here now. So I guess moving back to Toronto was just like coming back and then settling. But how you got from finance and tech to... <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. How it all started. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a crazy story. But um, okay. So basically... COVID yep. hit. TikTok was booming. Yep. Instagram Reels was popping off. People were like putting themselves out there. People had extra free time, didn't know what to do with themselves. And I was making edibles, right? 
That's literally what I was doing. And this was also around the time when legalization, people are being a little bit more open about cannabis consumption and things like that online. And one day, you know, I just started posting videos where I was making, you know, a frittata with cannabis oil or cookies. Um, I like to do things that were a little bit different than just brownies and whatever. Um, Cannabis mocktails. I was also growing um, cannabis because you're allowed to grow up to four plants um, in Ontario, which is wonderful. Um, And just started connecting with the community online. Like back then you could use hashtags on cannabis and not get banned. So I was able to, I started meeting people virtually, right? At that time, I started meeting owners of cannabis stores in Toronto. I started meeting people who worked for cannabis brands. And it was just all because they really liked my content. They thought it was genuine. They thought it was funny. And then how it became more than just me posting stuff online and became actually like, oh, that can actually build a platform and build a business out of this was um, it was actually a year in of doing this. I had no strategy at that time. And one day I posted a video on TikTok. Um, A brand had sent me a cannabis device, wasn't paid even. It was, they just sent it to me for free and they're like, just have fun with it. I was like, okay, I made the worst video. Like if you looked at this video now, you would swipe because it's so unengaging. (laughs) But (laughs) I basically made a cannabis cake with this device and it blew up to 20 million views overnight. And I was smart at that time. I had affiliate links and I was able to benefit from that. And that I was able to see, oh, wow. I could post a video and make money, right? And then from there, I started to think about strategy, started building out what is my niche? Like, what is my offering? Why would people follow me? What's my value? So that's where my finance tech marketing consulting side came in because it was able to help me scale and grow a business that worked. It's really cool. Like when I came across your profile, you know, part of me, like I'm working on building a business right now too. And I was like, I love what she's doing with this. She's picked her lane. She's super serving her community. And the content is really interesting and very different. So I give you big kudos. Thank you. That's been my number one goal is to like bring the aesthetic or the way that we approach regular, like let's say fashion content or lifestyle content, but apply it to cannabis because I didn't see that in the cannabis world, right? I saw a lot of content that was like people ripping bongs, um, people rolling joints or whatever. And don't get me wrong, I love I love that content. I love it too, right? <laughs> yeah. That is what built the culture of 420 of cannabis. But I wanted to show content that was um, modern, elevated, that also appealed to me. Um, you know, I'm also a, a girly. I love all those things as well. So I was thinking about how can I bridge like two worlds together? Yeah. And that was my content. So yeah. key. So you just sort of brushed by, you won't get banned if you were using hashtags back in the day. Yeah. Are you finding that there's still some barriers there with posting about cannabis? There is immense censorship Tell across me. Meta and TikTok and YouTube. Yes. So I've lost many accounts. Um, I've had to rebuild communities and followers, been banned off TikTok with original account, been banned off Instagram. I've tried to get lawyers involved and write notes and it doesn't work. At the end of the day, I've had to play the game. It's a waste. I've had to play the game. I censor everything I do and say on the platform in order to continue to exist. Um, so it's it's what you got to do though right like you either you know you either post explicitly and risk getting banned or you play the game put broccoli emojis don't type out the words use letters and numbers and i'm fine with playing this game it's obviously exhausting but it is what it is i'm not going to be able to convince meta to change their community guidelines i can do it through advocacy right through organizations which i am doing on the side but me as an individual if i want to play the game and continue to exist I got to play the 
the game. Um, is there any of the advocacy work that you can talk about a bit? Yes, um, I can talk about it. So it, I'll talk about in the past and then also what I'm doing now. You know, I, I've spoken on different um, cannabis conference panels in Toronto and in Vancouver um, that are around cannabis um, marketing guidelines and social media guidelines. So there I really tried to create advocacy where we had petitions actually to um, BC legislation about loosening the marketing and social guidelines. How do we get the government to partner with social media giants in order to make the rules the same as alcohol, right? People can make cocktails, they can talk, they can um, sell Grey Goose ads, they can do all that on social media. How is that different, right? Yeah. So there was a bit of that. Um, I've recently joined Normal, which is a organization um, in the US and in Canada, but essentially they advocate on different cannabis um, issues, specifically within Canada. But um, one of my goals is to uh, you know bring forth to parliament or whatever it is in the future is like, how do we just bring more parity to alcohol industry and cannabis industry? Um, it's not about like, you know, selling to the masses and like advertising to children. By no means, that's not the purpose. It's just to like, there's a lot of double standards yes. with the industry and it comes from lack of education. What's one of the most mind-blowing things that you learned in your early cannabis education journey? One of the, oh, this is actually a really interesting one. So cannabis oils, if you're familiar with that, right? Tinctures, oils. Um, tinctures are actually different because they're alcohol-based and we don't actually have them in Canada. They're usually in the U.S. Cannabis oils are oil format. People usually consume it under the tongue. You can sometimes put it in food if you mix it up and things like that. One thing that I had learned in my early days was that you can't just add cannabis oil to water-based liquids. So I was sitting putting like I had a juice or water and I was putting oil <laughs> in there thinking that it would work. But it doesn't work because it's not water-soluble. So um, learned that the hard way the oil would just sit on the top. And then that's when I actually learned about the science of cannabinoids and how they have to bind to fat in order to to work. Um, but now, as I mentioned, like at my event, there was um, Aspire Infusions, which is a technology that works with water-based liquids. So ah. that's the new technology innovation that's coming out. Ah, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. You know, just while we've been on the topic of the online space and this being a podcast about, you know, being a woman in many male-dominant spaces... Um, yeah. I'm wondering, especially with stigma, there's an extra layer of stigma here. What type of comments and feedback you've received that might not be, sounds like there's a really amazing community out there, but there's obviously some people who don't love it too. Yeah. Oh, I mean, first you have the people who are very against cannabis, right? Because that's what they know from the 1980s, the war on drugs, um, all that, right? So there's that community. You're losing um, brain cells, that community. <laughs> yes. Um, so there's that community. And then obviously there's like, I think a lot of female creators go through this as well. Not even just, not just men, every creator, men that like to involve gender in their comments, but in a negative way. Mm. So an example of this is like, um, when I have a viral video going on right now on Instagram, um, for whatever reason, it's basically me lifting weights. I'm at the gym lifting weights and I'm saying POV when you're a stoner trying to and stigmas or and stereotypes, something along the lines of that, right? Um, so the whole point of that video is to show that, hey, I'm not necessarily saying like I'm a stoner, but it's just obviously a word to like easily group those people. Um, but in that video, what I'm really trying to convey is that we are normal people. We're also healthy, fit, and active and have this lifestyle. Yes. And just because we consume the plant doesn't mean that we're lazy, don't work out, aren't active, yada, yada, yada. Obviously, there's a lot of positive, but there's a lot of negative hate, a lot, a lot of negative hate where one individual I saw was saying, you're a weak lady. <laughs> Come on. So 
I think I would have appreciated more if they just said I was weak and not put lady because I don't understand why you need to bring lady man or whatever into that yeah, context. Yeah. yeah. Or I'll get really gross comments <laughs> that go to my hidden request because I don't allow for that stuff and where it's like, I need you as my wife or you would be a good wife. Oh my God. Or are you married? Do you have a boyfriend? Why does that matter? Or you're here for the, the, the cannabis content, right? You know, I, I can appreciate, you know, when people say I'm beautiful, thank you, right? But it's not necessary. Like, thank you, but no thank you. Sure, those ones are okay. But I think it's when they say things about marriage and, and can you be my wife? Those ones are really off-putting because it's like, I'm not just a wife. I'm, I'm you know, being a wife is great, but like, why is there that word that, I don't know, just doesn't sit well with me, you know? No, no, I, I completely understand it. It's almost like, correct me if I'm wrong, but the vibe I get from the people who write those comments is that they're saying someone won't put up with my habits because they have a stigma about it and you would, but they're putting it in this misogynistic package. It also baffles me just like when people take the time to comment certain things. Like for me personally, the only time I really comment is when I'm trying to support my other creators or other uh, people on the platform and elevate their content, right? But I will rarely really like opinionate on certain things. Like I, I opinionate in my head, but some things are just, why do you need to type? I think with social media, a lot of people want to just put their opinion out there for whatever reason. But sometimes like not saying something is better than saying something. It's Sarah Burke here, the host of the Women in Media podcast and the founder of the Women in Media Network. Yep, now there's an entire network. I've been working really hard to get things off the ground. And what would I do without coffee? I can barely function without it. But I feel much better about putting a coffee that's full of superfoods in my body. I've been loving the Focus Fuel Instant Mushroom Coffee from Organic Traditions. And of course, all the ingredients are organic. It's packed with Lion's Mane Mushroom to support memory, focus, and cognitive function, adaptogens to nourish your brain, and MCT powder to boost your energy and improve mental clarity. And before you make that face, no, it doesn't taste like mushrooms. It tastes like coffee. Actually, better than most. There are hints of cinnamon and vanilla, and it is absolutely delicious. Did I mention it also just won Best New Mushroom Enhanced Beverage in a 2024 Brand Spark survey? Want to try the Focus Fuel Mushroom Coffee yourself? Head to OrganicTraditions.com and use the promo code WOMENINMEDIA20 for 20% off at checkout. And by the way, that applies for the entire site, not just the coffee. You're welcome. Just add water and get at it. What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days, so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. So now let's talk a little more about the education factor here. Like, specifically on fitness, like, you know, I've I've seen you share a number of things about intentionally using, mindfully using. Can you talk about your experience, like using the plant outside of what we would call just an environment where you're enjoying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, with exercise and fitness, that's been a huge part of my life 
prior to consumption. Always been an active kid, played soccer, got into weightlifting, got into CrossFit powerlifting, boxing, hot yoga, the, the whole plethora, yeah, yeah. right? I just love being active. You know, sweating just makes me feel good. I don't know what it I is. Hear you. It just feels great. The first time I used cannabis um, and then worked out was actually not for working out. It was for running. I hate running. Me too. Period. I hate cardio. It hurts my knees. It gives me that blood copper taste in my throat. It's itchy, especially if there's wind. I don't know if you. I, I do get that. That's so weird. You get that too, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just uncomfortable experience okay. for me. It was actually on uh, New Year's Day. I still remember this. It was two years ago on New Year's Day. I was like, you know what? I'm going to start off the year strong. I'm going to run 5K. I had a little bit of CBD oil beforehand. And I ran the entire five kilometers without stopping. And I've never done that before. And the reason why was because I got, let's say, lost in the run where I wasn't thinking about the run, but more so I was observing objects and the environment around me. And I felt very um, supportive of myself. I could keep going. You know, I had that positive mindset. I've tried it again and it definitely has given me the same experience. But that was kind of when I first discovered that. Now I don't really consume cannabis before working out. I use it afterwards um, as a post-workout recovery, especially topicals. I love lifting heavy weights, so I love putting it on my shoulders or areas where the the cream can really just get in there and relax the muscles um, or cannabis bath bombs. I love that as well. Or just, you know, having a nice gummy or oil or whatever afterwards that helps you really relax, especially if you're like me, type A person (laughs) can never turn off their mind. It's just a great way to like, post-recovery workout. Hmm. And I remember watching you say something about like how you get questions about when you travel, how you get it over the border. And you were like, oh, or here's a novel idea. Maybe I can exist without it for a few days. Yes. That's another funny thing with the stigma. Yes. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah. um, People immediately assume that I'm in, I've gotten things like people say I'm an addict. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) I guess I'm an addict now. I don't know. That word is when I bring up the definition of an of an addict, I don't have it right now, but essentially an addict is someone who cannot live without something, right? Whatever it is, or they get certain emotions, whether it's anger or anxious or whatever, when they don't have something in their life. And in this instance, people are saying I'm an addict because I use cannabis every day, which I don't. And that is the key to having a healthy relationship, but that's with anything in life. Too much of anything in my personal opinion, can, you know, you can develop a dependency on it, right? Same thing with like skincare. If you use toner every day, you're probably going to be dependent on it or like certain creams, right? If you drink alcohol every day, it's also the same thing, right? Um, If you have candy every day, that's also not good. So it's really about balance and creating a healthy relationship. So when I talked about taking breaks when I'm in a country or a state that doesn't have cannabis legalized, that is a time for me to just take my break and just be with myself, right? Like, I think a lot of people are shocked by that because they see me as, oh, cannabinista, she must be a everyday cannabis. Cannabis is her life and everything and be all. I have a life beyond cannabis, right? I'm not just known for cannabis. My friends and family know me for my personality, my humor. I think, obviously, I show only cannabis because that's what people want to see, right? So I think there's that um, bit of balance there. But tolerance breaks are very important, in my opinion. Um, I don't consume every day. So I, you know, maybe two to three times a week, every other day I won't consume and I don't need it. Or I'll also take extended breaks. So every quarter I'll take a couple week breaks so that I'm just resetting my relationship. Um, and also on a day, like even if I am consuming, I try not to consume a lot. I mean, it's better for your wallet too, if you're not consuming that (laughs) much, but, um, you know, just keeping yourself in check 
And like having that discipline, I think, is was the key to my relationship with the plant. You mentioned topicals. And I'm just so curious because I have found it pretty difficult to uh, get a hold of products that I love, like topicals, um, outside of what you can buy at a shop that sells stuff that's regulated, right? Yeah. Are you finding that too or – yeah, I mean, that um, market is small. Yeah. There's only like 10, 15 products and some of them don't have great ingredients, right? If you care about natural skincare and things like that, some of them have like um, like sorbates and whatevers and like food coloring, FCF and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I make my own at home. And this is why I'm going to put a link to her website. All that stuff will be in the show notes. Yeah, I have lots of recipes on my website and one of them is um, a muscle cream where I literally just take cannabis flour, I put it into a machine, I do some magic, I'm not going to explain the science here. Yeah, yeah. And then combine it with shea butter, literally just like blocks of shea butter, almond oil, a little bit of peppermint or eucalyptus, whatever, whatever you like. And then it just creates a really nice cream, mm-hmm. just put it on some some parts of my muscles. And it's it's great. I think the uh, the cannabis user in me loves a good little challenge when I'm using especially to like make something from scratch. Do you find like creativity wise we haven't really talked about that side of things like mm. how how does that feel when you are using yeah um when I use the plan I definitely feel very creative that's when my best ideas come into my head and especially if I'm consuming right before the shower the shower is also a sacred place of creative billion dollar <laughs> ideas okay for some reason yeah. I think it's like when your brain can actually like calm down from the rest of the world and actually like I'm pretty sure your brain like taps into like another part of your brain when you're in that relaxed state but definitely you know when I use cannabis I'm able to think from different perspectives right I may think about an idea where I thought was a good idea maybe I found other reasons why it wasn't or I was able to come up with something that was creative or I thought of someone that I should connect with that's often happens yes Um, yeah it just obviously it binds to your receptors right your cp1 cp2 receptors and there's a lot of studies going on about that but it, it does tap into that creative part of my brain and you know, that's what I love. Yeah. Folks, what if I told you this podcast was born on a high? <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, you know, in a zone. Also in the middle of, you know, global pandemic, you know, I had all my doodle pages and sometimes that's just what happens when I'm using. And it had never been so clear what I wanted to do. That moment was very clear for me. So Yeah. And I feel like also when you're, you know, consuming or when you're elevated, like, you almost have more confidence in yourself to do it. Like for some reason, the idea that you're coming up with is like, fuck yeah, that's a good idea. Like obviously like it could, yeah. you, you know, that's amazing. But I think that confidence also adds to like your fuel and your passion to like go after it as well. And what about business and pitching this type of content? Um, obviously, I, I would imagine it goes great with people who are like-minded in the industry. But what about things like funding and and that kind of stuff? What's your experience been with that? Yeah, I mean, like, there's a lot of regulations in in Canada. Um, So you're not allowed to have celebrity endorsements on cannabis marketing and all that. You're not allowed to promote it where it's like a sale or a a promotion, right? There's a huge cannabis marketing guideline. Um, I will say, I've seen many brands that go against this, right? For example, Snoop Dogg has a (laughs) cannabis product. Um, There's another, I think it's a retired NBA uh, star who also has a product. Um, And then there's a couple other who are associated with famous chefs in Toronto, for example. So people are playing around the rules. And you know what? Like, I think it's important for that to happen in order to advance the industry. Because you see people who are notable and also associated with alcohol or whatever. Oh, the time. So 
it's for the betterment of the industry, in my opinion, is to push the agenda forward. Um, obviously, like, you know, playing within the rules, but being creative and how to do that. Um, so with that said, like, you know, have great partners, like not just in Canada, but in the US, like I have a lot of accessory cannabis product partners and things like that, um, who are California is definitely much more open yeah. New York as well. You know, um, I love working with US brands in, in that sense. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a tough industry, right? So it's not as let's say, like, you know, the industry is still new, right? And I think a lot of people are seeing in the news that a lot of cannabis brands are not profitable, right? A lot of those a lot of amalgamation, there's a lot of consolidation. Um, and it's probably just what's going to happen with an industry. And I think it's about, for me at least, is like, I cannot rely just on brand deals. I have to build an audience beyond that and monetize in different ways, right? So that's really my focus for for next year is to not reduce my dependency on, let's say, brand deals. And it's like, how can I create products for my community that are built by me? Oh, like taking those recipes in. Yes, exactly. Okay. Lots of things in the pipeline. Okay. Lot, lots of good stoner ideas, that's for sure. <laughs> we're, it feels like we're going to have to check in with Anna in about a year and see what's going on. For sure. <laughs> so excited. For sure. I ask everyone who's come on this podcast these questions, but like, what is your proudest moment along the way and your hardest moment along the way? I definitely think the the proudest moment would have to be the event. And I know it's like a little bit of recency bias, let's say, but the reason why I say it was the proudest moment was because actually going into it, I was very, very stressed. And I even said, I'm never doing this again. What? To, to my to my to my social media assistant. And I was telling her because she was helping me with a lot of the event. And I was like, I'm never doing this again. It's not worth it. Like it was a very small budget that we had to work with. It was two people, me and her building everything, planning, executing heavy, li- literally physical he- heavy lifting because I had to reduce costs. Right. I can't hire lifters or cleaners. And I was like, it's a lot of work. I should have got more money, more funds to do it. You know, it was like hindsight 2020. And then at the event, people were like in tears. They were hugging me. They were crying because they felt so grateful that I created this community. Some people came and said like, oh, I'm like normally very anxious. And like, I wanted to come meet people. And like, you created such a safe environment for me. And like a lot of my community was women. So 70% actually is women at the event on social media. Yeah. And I think that really left like a really soft spot in my heart. And I was like, fuck, I got to do this again. They were asking me for another one. They're like, when you're doing your next one, we're going to bring all our friends. And I was like, oh, fuck, like maybe this is like a sign, you know? How many people was it? It was only 40 people, but it was a very premium ticketed event. So I was even surprised that people would pay that amount to come see me. Right. Yeah. And they even said, hey, charge us more. They're like, you gave us so much value. Like, I think just hearing that, that like, and also I, I got a survey, so I got a scorecard, but my event rated like 95% um, yes, out of satisfaction. So Love it. It was amazing, right? So that I would say is my proudest moment. Whenever I get messages online, whenever it's in person, or like when people tell me that, hey, you've impacted my life in a positive way, that tells me I'm doing something right and keeps me going. Okay. Hardest, hardest. Um, Hardest moment is definitely, I, I want to say like, maybe two things. The first one is like dealing with the influx of comments and knowing when to just ignore and shut down. Cause you sometimes have to look at the negative comments in order to create content, to respond to it, which that does really well. Right. When you kind of like, but then that takes a lot of mental energy to see all that, the bullshit hate. Right. Um, I've gotten really good at it now where I can detach myself. And I, I genuinely feel bad for those people who feel the need to comment. Um, negatively so I tried to see it from that perspective but in the beginning it was rough like I would feel the need to like explain myself to everyone and justify myself and I'm like 
as I'm getting older too, I'm like, fuck it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm doing great. Like, I'm good, yeah. <laughs> you know? But that took a long time and it was not easy and it's still not easy today, right? I was mentioning, I still have, I have this viral video right now. I'm getting hundred thousands of comments and I'm just trying to answer the ones that I do appreciate and respect. And you have to engage with the community. That's also the other thing, right? You can't just not respond at all. So that's tough. It's a mental toughness. Um, and then the other part is just like being in an industry that is so new. It is so new and no one is doing, I don't think anyone is doing anything similar to what I'm doing, not even in the US. Um, there are some creators who are like food and things like that, but I think I, I do have this niche right now and it's it's exciting because it's a lot of um, open space, green field that I can go and, and play whatever, but there also isn't a playbook and it's very different from content creators in other spaces where they don't have the censorship. Mm. That is the crux of like what makes me nervous is like I can get shut down any day and it's like how do I make sure I have those followers on my own website, on my own newsletter, building my own community, being on platforms that allow for cannabis. It's just different. It's almost like I have to build this playbook and figure it out on my own, which is can be lonely at times, but yeah. it's just part of the hustle. I feel so much of what you're saying because the podcasting game is also very I, yeah. I know everyone listens to podcasts, but the actual yeah. like infrastructure of that industry is still in a very immature state. Right. Yeah. I mean, everything like with everything that's happening in the world right now, it's just so it's a learning process for sure. OK, well, I have loved this conversation so much. Um, is there a wish, something to solve immediately in the cannabis industry? What would be the first thing that you would want? Like, you know, people who deal with regulations and laws would actually look at like tomorrow. <laughs> Ooh, um, I would. That's a good one. What I would do in terms of if we're thinking really grandiose and regulations and whatever, this is probably never going to happen, but I'm going to say this is my ultimate wish list, is that we're allowed to talk about cannabis on platforms as social platforms, as long as it's educational yeah. and it's not irresponsible use and not be censored and removed. Because I think the first step is like education. I'd rather just have us be able to educate and forget like promotion, like no ads, no whatever. I'm fine. Like, that's fine. I think ultimately, as long as you're educating, the sales will come later on, right? And I think that's what I would really love the governments and social media giants to like look at. And for them, it's beneficial too. Cannabis is a multi-billion dollar industry and Let's it's just the go. beginning, <laughs> right? They can benefit from too, yeah. from those hungry corporate whatevers, right? So yeah, that would be my ultimate dream. And is it enough, you know, to look at like a disclaimer even like for an episode like this, what's your honest opinion on my podcast? Do you think I should have a disclaimer somewhere? Like, is that even? I don't think so. I didn't even consume cannabis. No, no, no. Right? But I mean, like, like well, if you're talking about alcohol products or whatever, usually like you'll put a little disclaimer that says like 19 years of age or older to consume, yeah, right? Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. I mean, could that help the social media case, right? If there was a disclaimer. Yeah. So I do that now. I age gate my content. Uh -huh. um, and and that actually prevents me from getting more people, which is totally fine because it's important to be age gated, right? So I age gate it based on US and Canada. And then all my content also says disclaimer that is for educational or entertainment purposes only, but that doesn't do anything, right? Mm -hmm. What's interesting about that is like, I can appreciate the disclaimers, but I also think back when we were kids growing up, it's like, you know, you would download something from like LimeWire and like, it would be like naked people, right? <laughs> and there was no or it would be like an accident, like virus or something, right? Yeah. Or you would turn on the TV late at night and it would be naked people. But there was no disclaimer. And we were allowed to like explore and learn about this world, right? And it's really different how things have shifted now. Mm. Um, there's like a lot more strictness, I guess. 
and less freedom for people to just learn and like figure it out, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's weird how media has changed. I need you to do a podcast though. Like I legit need you to do a podcast because I would listen every week. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely something I want to do for 2024. I mean, okay. I have I have way too many ideas. That's my problem is like, you know, I need to continue to build my, my team. Obviously, I cannot do this alone and that's going to be a big part yes. of like expanding into other verticals. Awesome. Yeah. So if you had to um, give me a couple names of other women who inspire you in the media space, in the cannabis space that you might nominate to come on this podcast, who would they be? Um, I, I would have, you know, two people, um, you know, one of them is in the cannabis space. One of them is in the media space. Sure. Um, first one is Riley. She is uh, based in Boston, Boston, I believe. Okay. Um, and she is a cannabis scientist. She Ooh. has a PhD. She uh, creates content on social media that provides the scientific explanation of the cannabis plant um, in various different ways from consumption to the um to the biology of the plant or whatever you call it. I'm not a science person, so I don't know. Do you know her but... um, her socials off by heart? At Riley? Yes. It's a, no, it's a C-A-N-N-A-B-I-C-H-E-M. So Cannabichem. I, I think that's how you pronounce it, but it's like Cannabis Chemist. Um, she is doing really, and she also has a partner who she works with um, named uh, Miyabi Shields as well. She is also a PhD. They are amazing in the type of content that they create because they are so smart and they're able to communicate about cannabis from a scientific perspective. And I think that that is something that I lack, which I will learn so much from them, but like the way that they explain, it, it's almost like hard to clap back at them, you know, because it's science. Yeah. So I love their approach to it. They're very objective and um, they're, they're wonderful. So I would definitely recommend them from that perspective. Cool. And then the other person I would recommend is actually like my social media team. So I work with an agency called Branders Brand, specifically Silvana. She is like my right-hand person for everything in strategy and all that. And like started working with her this year to really like create more strategy around um, what I'm doing. But um, her and her partner, Holly, who is my PR strategist, um, they, you know, they are literally on the ground from, from Toronto and built an agency that is providing different media services. And they work with mostly women businesses actually all over okay. GTA. Um, so really great to check them out. Branders brand. Thank you so much. I love this. This was a perfect Friday afternoon way to end my work week. So thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thanks so much, Sarah, for giving me this platform to talk about cannabis. I, I, I love it. It's absolutely amazing. We need more of these. You will find more about Anna Lee, aka The Cannabinista, in the show notes, including her website, thecannabinista.com, where you can head to find a ton of resources, education, and recipes. You'll find the rest at womeninmedia.ca. And thanks for listening. I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. We're now podcasters. And why did we call it that? Well, you know us as decorators, but we've got lots more to share. We want to talk about travel and relationships. We're going to have amazing guests on. Guests who inspire us for sure. We'll probably talk about design too. And of course, Tommy, don't forget about food. Oh my gosh, how did I forget about food? So please follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or as they say, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll pop right up when we have a new episode. Where's us luck? This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.